reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeaKeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. And we've got ourselves a mail bag, a bag full of mail. We're going to talk about Daniel Jones versus the Dolphins. Was he good? Kinda. Play calling issues, blah, blah, blah. Justin, how are you uh, as we get ready for the Buffalo Bills? O-line, blah, blah, blah. Bobby Johnson, Brian Dable, blah, blah, blah. Who are we going to trade? Trade deadlines October 31st, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Bobby Skinner. Um, I found it to be very funny. We don't really have a mailbag question about this. Um, and I do want to read these articles to see if there's any similarities. I found it to be very funny that three Giants beat reporters... Uh, put out three Daniel Jones pro propaganda pieces all at the same time. We are at that point of the year where we are doing this. It is the beginning of October. Um, I actually I forgot to check Patreon. Um, who do we have? Who do we have? They did change the site. Oh my gosh! You know who's a new Patreon? Justin Nico Ryzen. Oh. He's got a question in here. He's a big. Oh my gosh. Kid. He has the most volume. He has like the best hit rate of mailbag the questions. Hit rate. We got Joe. Best hit rate. Joe Giglio. What up? Yo, 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 Joe Giglio. And that's it. Justin, who are these people? These wonderful people. They went on their phones. They went on their computers. They went on their tablets. Does anybody have a tablet anymore? Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. That's what they plugged into the URL. And they're like, I love these guys so much. I'm going to give them $2 or, you know, you can even go to the world beater tier, give a little bit more and you get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail. He'll do that when he gets back from Espana. And there's a couple shirt raffles a couple times a month. Patreon.com slash talk giants. Thanks for our patrons. We love you. Is the internet really bad in the office right now? It's like brutal right now. It's brutal. Yeah, well, it's pretty bad. It might be bad. That's, that's a good possibility. Producer Steve says as he's, as he's coming in hot. Um, I will take take it away, Steve. Take it away, Steve. Uh, what's going on, guys? Th- I'm not, a- sh- not you, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve, from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. <laughs> Keep all that in, by the way. Jeff, our, our typical producer, Jeff, is sick Put- today. So we have Sales Steve, and it's like an inside joke of John Boy Media that Sales sale Steve is, does not work in sales. He works in finance. 
So Steve just got confused that Bobby was trying to toss it to him and not Steve from Blue's Clues. Bobby, the first question is coming from Gridiron so Guru. In, put in the Blue's Clues thing after I say, not you, Steve, and then put the music in. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going to do. And then we'll go. That's what we're going right. to do. Gridiron Guru at Gridiron Guru. <laughs> after watching the old 22, what was your thoughts on Daniel Jones versus the Dolphins, Bobby Skinner? Um... He did a lot of good things versus the Dolphins, Justin. Um, but here's the thing is the next question about play calling and stuff, We I think we'll get a little deeper into like season-long issues. But overall, I thought he did good things versus the Dolphins, right? Like that throw to the sideline on Waller, like that was the alert, which is essentially like most times it's not part of the progression. But if you got the look you got, yeah. throw it, right? And he threw it. And that's how you get, you know, you can create big plays if defenses start playing on your concepts, like the safety kind of – play down and would have shut they would have shut down the Giants concept that they were trying to run so throw the alert which Daniel Jones has not thrown the alert a ton of times um made the right decision with the ball essentially essentially every play right but you also after four games before this um I don't come away from this game as like up oh, victory lap for Daniel Jones people right because the issue is that this defense that the Dolphins run Vic Fangio runs plays the Daniel Jones strengths which is kind of giving you the easier uh the easier throws and some of their concepts right where it's not right. like other teams where it's like hey you gotta you gotta throw the deep one in that um so it's not a big victory lap and I want to talk about like how they're gonna call the offense in our next question but I did want to come back on this podcast and say he did play pretty damn well. You know, he hit that ball to Darren Waller on the little curl, uh, you know, stick and go. Um, the Really, the only two bad plays I thought Daniel Jones had were two throws to Wandale. The one missed the Wandale that everyone remembered. But the next drive, it was a third and 13. And they get an empty. Wandale has a slant. And Wandale may have, might have put this in the end zone, but it definitely would have had enough yak for a first down. He throws it slightly behind him. Wandale has to, like, you know, turn his body and falls, has to fall to catch it and misses on that. But overall, like, decision making was, was, was really good for the most part. Um, but again, that's, that is what the, De- I almost said Denver Broncos. That is what the Vic oh. Fangio Miami Dolphins defense allows you to do. So it played to his strengths and it also did what it, it is, uh, created to do is to like hey we're you're gonna have mistakes and those mistakes in this game were sacks and bad runs were you able to look back at that third and six in the third quarter where i thought it was a little bit of another bad throw to wandell robinson where he falls down short of the sticks were you able to look at that and see if there was somebody running open down the field like i thought on the game recap pod no there wasn't there um, wasn't okay so that's know, another that's uh, another you know we're, stop stop taking screenshots stop Stop taking screenshots and saying that guys are open down the field. Stop. I got, now I need to go back and look at that one. Now that was one where there was pressure and he threw to Wandale on like the little dri- like drive route, right? Rarely shallow. Yeah, it it felt similar to the miss earlier in the game where like if you hit Wandale in stride, it may be a first down. Yeah, that one was with like that play got rushed. He was under a lot or like he was getting hit on yeah. that throw. A guy coming down the barrel on that one. You know, and um, and this is the unfortunate thing about Jones is that we're saying, oh, you know, he played well and. Dude, it's just, you know, unlike the Seahawks game where I thought Jones took a lot of those sacks on his own. He was responsible for a good amount of them. You know, this this was a game where the the line just makes the offense inoperable, like we're saying with uh, the Cowboys game, the 49ers game. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I will say a positive thing from Daniel Jones this game, talked about a little bit in the postgame pod. 
uh, didn't turn over the ball. So that's a positive thing, right? No turnovers. Um, an average depth of target of 7.1, which, hey, that's still in the 27th percentile, but, man, it's an improvement over the three average depth of target, four average depth of target we've seen over the last few weeks. And with that average depth of target of above seven, he had a CPOE of 6.6, which is in the 76th percentile. So he was accurate with the ball. He's still he's completing a ball at a higher expectation than what he's expected to. So, um, you know, for, for what he was asked to do and for what the opportunities presented to him, he played well. And it's just it sucks that we're saying, oh, you know, the quarterback played well, yet the offense, the offense didn't score a touchdown in the game, Bobby. You're muted. The way it's different than other games is that like Dallas and San Fran, even in Arizona, when you can include the first half, there was a lot of plays left on the field right. by DJ, even though there wasn't like the act of like drive, dis- like game destroying plays like there was in Seattle. But like if he played at this level versus Seattle, they, they win that game. If he plays at this level versus Dallas and San Fran, they play better, yeah. but they don't win the game. Well, let me ask you uh, this. Let me ask you, because you, you said if he played this level against Seattle, that they would win the game. Was Seattle, was there any key differences in what Seattle was doing defensively and then what Miami was doing defensively with Vic Vangio? Because I feel like that's a key factor in this, where the average up to target is seven yards against Miami, and then it's like three yards against Seattle. Like, what were the differences there? I mean, Denver, or I keep saying Denver because yeah, Vic Fangio. Sure. Vic Fangio gives, should still Vic be there. Fan, Vic Fangio uh, gives you the reads that DJ likes, where Seattle, you know, forced DJ to process a little more and hang in the pocket a little more and not bail from clean pockets. And he didn't do that. So that's why so I would I was say like, that's the main difference. Me. That's the main difference that Miami was willing to give Daniel Jones the things that maybe he's good at. Yeah, and and to process things versus Seattle didn't let him process that. So that's where you know that's where you can say, well, if he played this same level that he did last week against Seattle, you win the game. But Seattle made it harder for him to be successful because of Daniel Jones's deficiencies. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it does. But I mean, he also threw the alert to Wall or the you yeah, know, uh, do and, more and of that. Give your guys yeah. chances to make plays. Yeah, so you need, you need some more of that stuff. But why don't we get into the next question because we could talk about this more yeah. big picture with it's DJ. continuing. It's continuing with some offense stuff. Uh, Andy Hadaz at Hadaz, A Hadaz 5511. Do you blame... You remember, when, uh, remember when the Utica Comets were following us and, and liking like Simple Man Radio tweets? And yeah. I was like, I want to I drop the puck. Well, that was that was Andy Hadaz. Who was, oh, what's up? Yeah. Up, I, I still want to be a, like an honorary guest for the Utica Comets. It's a, it's a race between if Bobby Skinner is going to drop the puck first in a hockey game, or if he's going to absolutely just uh, curl hop a uh, a first pitch at a baseball game. What did you say? Crow curl? hop. We learned that from the oh, Brandon Jacobs right. episode last year. Damn it! It was was that a, was that a Rickyism? No, I thought it was curl hop, and it makes sense because you kind of curl into the throw. Yeah, like and it wasn't even a Ricky. Like I, it made sense. It kind of is a Rickyism. And but when we put when I say curl hop when I talk about Brandon Jacobs throwing the ball into the to the shot clock when he uh, was on the yeah. podcast yeah got a lot of people correcting it and I was like man I like I thought that it was curl hopping because you're kind of uh, cur- you're kind of curling into the throw anyways well Andy asked do you blame any of the play calling for the lack of success on offense if so when or should Dable take over play calling I- I'm <laughs> 
it would have to get ugly for me to be like they will take over play calling i think that's a desperation move most of the time like they're on the same page with stuff right they're putting in the game plan together this isn't like this isn't a joe judge versus jason garrett type of situation no um and i'll be honest i really like the play calling versus miami right they they fixed some of their flaws, right? They protected the backside versus play action, made an emphasis to do that. Whether cool. it was keeping the uh, you know having the back uh, like uh, adjust to blocking that or keeping the tight end longer, right? And teams were driving on some of their quick game. They tried some double moves like that Waller. I didn't even realize it. It was a double move on a little stick and go. Um, and they also tried, and Miami didn't fall for it at all. Like uh, a you know curl and go with Hyatt and and Slayton. Right. So they tried some of that stuff and they targeted their best player, Darren Waller, 11 times. Right. We said, hey, you got to run the ball, um, hopefully for some success, but just to, you know, stop teams from being able to tee off on this pass protection. They handed the ball off 22 times. But here's the issue, Justin, is that there is a personnel deficiency with the New York Giants right, right. now. And it starts with all the offensive line. Without Andrew Thomas, man, it makes it so difficult to run things. We've seen DJ be able to operate a pocket with the le- as long as his blind side is taken care of he can deal with for the most part with a bad left guard through right tackle without that he bails pockets early it's it's a it's a mess um and they just they just mess up too many plays right there's yeah. just too many big time plays that they are screwing up like the offensive line is really really bad and that is just going to make it hard for you so without andrew thomas and even with andrew thomas back it's still going to be a bad offensive line yeah yeah, I'll revisit. They're, I'll re. No, go ahead. They're starting to. They're trying to run the ball, but it's not going to be super successful without Saquon, right? Like they actually ran the ball fairly well early in the game. I really like Eric Gray, and then the Dolphins started run blitzing, and without Andrew Thomas, and with uh, you can't really run a lot of wide zone, um, because Azudu's not going to get on the outside like that, um, which Thomas was such a huge part of their success in that, um. So you're not able to run the ball as as well, but even though you do need to run the ball. And here's the thing where I'm the most frustrated, though. And it is, I'm like, I don't care if I just said all those nice things about the Dolphins game. DJ has had things that they pass up, that he passes up. And guess what? If this coaching staff is going to try and win games... They're not going to put those things on the men. Like teams have adjusted to the quick game that Daniel Jones likes to operate. And what they've also done is they've aligned pre-snap to show you, hey, here's the quick game. Here's the quick game. Bam. We're driving off of it. If you're running like three-level concepts, we're taking off the shallow and the middle part of it. And DJ is not taking the shots. Okay. That didn't happen versus Miami because they didn't, they didn't, you know, the, the Miami gave you the, 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 re, the reads that DJ likes. And so one, you can't run those all the time with this offensive line issues. So when you do run them, you have to take advantage of them. And DJ has not. When there's been times where he has had time to do it and and make those throws, he just flat out has not done it. Also, DJ has been a little less accurate in the quick game than uh, he has been in past years. Um, so it's just a, like for this offense to get back to operable, you need Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley back, right, to get to operable. But to yeah. take it to where our pre, even close to where our preseason expectations were, are, DJ has to take advantage of the opportunities that are there. You have to play more aggressive because teams are adjusted to what you do well. And until you start taking advantage of those things, they're going to continue, continue to do them. Now, I think this coaching staff is going to do some smart things, 
to bounce balance off of that even despite dj's weaknesses right you saw a couple double moves in this past game um i think you're gonna see a little more of that so they're gonna they're gonna throw some stuff in there that's like some pre-planned like hey we're gonna we're gonna take this shot here which dj has been uh good at but it's the post-snap processing where hey this safety plays this way the linebacker plays here hit it on the sideline type stuff that DJ hasn't done. And until Daniel Jones does start doing that stuff, I'm not going to believe that it's going to happen. And the coaching staff, they're not going to continue to like call the, call these plays if DJ's not going to pull the trigger on them because they're just going to lead to negative plays that end drives. Right, right. Um, you were talking about running the ball. You said you know what they ran the ball 22 times. Um, I will go back and I will give the caveat that nine of those 22 runs, so that's almost half, Nine of those runs did come from second and seven plus, and it really was not successful at all. But again, the Giants have a personnel issue where it's like, well, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to take the sack on second down or do you want them to take the sack on third down? It's, 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 it's basically pick your poison. But I will say they did throw the ball for success with second and long. They had an 83% success rate plus .83 EPA per play, five out of six plays with a positive EPA. So they did throw the ball well in the second down. So I will say like if there's like a coaching thing and – it's not really schematic, but it's just play calling and play decisions. It was that from the Dolphins game, but again, they're 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 operating afraid of the sack and they're operating afraid of the negative play. It's just a matter of when is it going to come? Is it going to come on second along because you can't do well on first down, or is it going to come on third down because you can't pass protect long enough to complete a ball past the sticks and get yards after the catch? Here, here's what I will say, and this can maybe even transition us to the next question. Um, the, the only thing with coaching right now is that there's just a huge lack of player development, and that's on both sides of the ball. It's on the offensive side of the ball. It's on the defensive side of the ball, and particularly it's, 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 on, it's on the offensive line. Like the lack of player development that we've seen, and you know, Josh, is, Josh is who's playing tackle, so he's in a really tough spot. But you know, this is, even goes back to camp. Josh Azudu, we've seen a lack of development there. Um, we've seen, obviously, a lack of development with Evan Neal, and then Mark Lewinsky also got worse as a football player from his time with the Colts. So... It's a that's that's like the coaching thing. That's the that's the tough pill to swallow. And again, how does Dable handle a losing team that's going to have issues? Right? Like, oh there's, yeah, I have some concerns about coaching. There's again, I said Dable would have to commit crimes, and even then, it'd be what type of crimes were they for me to say fire <laughs> Brian Dable after this year? Um, just because one, I'm a patient person, and two, and it's like don't like I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fire the coach of the year because his quarterback's not doing the uh doing the new things um his offensive line is god awful and he's missing Saquon Barkley right um yeah and missing Andrew Thomas like missing two big important players um so there's issues right like but I to me most so like if you said hey we're a year and five games into a new regime. My worry would be way more with just the drafting ability of and and I my, would be way more on the GM than the coaching yeah. staff. Yeah. Um. And I, again, also I'm giving like Joe Shane has to get four years for this to make sense. We 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 cannot turn into the Cleveland Browns. No. All right, Justin. Um, do you got anything else on that? No, I, I want to move to the next question. I'm going to skip a question because I Nico Risen is asking us, uh, can you read a good ad? So Bobby Skinner's taking a sip of water. I'm going to talk about the farmer's dog. The results of switching your dog's food from kibble to fresh, it can seem like 
Magic. What movie is that from? But the farmer's dog doesn't use any sorcery or secret ingredients. Make their fresh food just science. Oh, science that I don't understand. But I'll tell you what. I've taken a look at that farmer's dog. It looks like chopped meat. I'm thinking, I, I thought about taking a nosedive into it. Farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. It's developed by vets, nutritionally balanced, and made from real healthy ingredients to human food safety standards. So maybe I actually can eat it if I want. The farmer's dog also sends the food pre-proportioned, which is true, specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. Like I filled out a whole survey. It's like, what's Mikey's breed? What's his weight? What's his this? What's his that? And farmer's dog asking all these questions to make sure that they're sending Mikey the right stuff, that they're not giving him too much food, that they're not giving him too little food. They take care of it. They put in the work so your dog can enjoy some Good food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash johnboy. Plus, you get free shipping. That's thefarmersdog.com slash johnboy for 50% off. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Mikey will be glad he did as well. Want to move to the next question? I'm glad you did, yes. Doug I at Doug I3. With all of the injuries on the O-line, how do you feel about continuing to move Mark Lewinsky around? Even though he hasn't been great, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be in everyone's best interest to keep him and Neil working together rather than bringing in guys like Lemieux, et cetera? And then Jason Crownover at Jason Crownover asks, what's going on with Pew? Is he going to play this week? So I just want to talk about the offensive line alignment as there's yeah. still there's more injuries and stuff. Do you play Josh Zudu after crying? Because it's one he's not playing very well. His confidence is at all time yeah. low. Do you put Matt Parrott at left tackle? He, I think it's more. I mean, forget Josh Azudu crying. I mean, the, the dude cares. He's in a really bad spot. He was already struggling. Yeah, I'm not guard. saying like, oh, he cried, bench him. But I'm saying like for his own good, it like like he maybe needs to settle down a bit and, and go back to practicing guard. Like I think it's I think it's a little worse that like he got which this resulted in him crying, but like hey he got Daniel Jones hurt and you know when you hear neck injury with Daniel Jones it's the alarms go off and it's the carpenter and it's like you're out for the year and like dude are you out for like your career so I mean I think that's like a, like getting Daniel Jones and your quarterback hurt I think that's like a little bit of a psyche thing yeah Matt Parrot is a tackle Josh Zudu is a guard and he's a top one hundred pick let the guard develop at guard. Speaking of which, uh, he was DJ, going to play. He's like really injured. Like, let's wait to publish this episode. Um, here's here's the thing. So I don't know what McKeithen's injury is. Right, I think you do put Glowinski back at right guard, right? Because McKeithen one is just not very good, and he just McKeithen is doing the wrong thing a lot of the times, right? Just like bad blitz pickup, bad stun ID. There's just a bad a lot, of, a lot of stuff where it's just mental issues with McKeithen, where I don't think he's ready. And I think he put Glowinski maybe back at right guard. And as, if JMS is out, not if JMS is out, but Justin, where are you at with Justin Pugh? Because I think if he's anywhere near ready, put his ass in. Like, let's not waste any time. Like, if he's ready to go, put him. Like, if he's practicing in full pads today. Put him in. Put him in the game. Like put him in. You can't do this, Jalen Mayfield, like uh, Jalen Moore. Like just put put freaking yeah. Justin Pugh in. He needs to play. If he if, if the team gets a sense that he's coming off of an ACL, right? Yeah, but he's been healthy for a little while. He's he's been healthy for a little bit. Like if you get the sense, you know, he hey he did the media thing for a little while too. If you get the sense that the dude is 
mentally ready to go out there and play football, you have to play. And, and I think he will be an upgrade. Like, this isn't even me just being like, oh, Giants fan, former Giants, Justin Pugh, blah, blah, blah. I think he actually will be an upgrade, which isn't saying much to what we have right now, which is which is needed and necessary. Yeah, though that's what I'm saying. You got to play him because, again, he's he is an upgrade because yeah, everything is so f- freaking bad right now. Um, like this offensive line is is really like un unbelievably bad right now. Um, so yeah, I think you got to put Pew in there now. If JMS is back, then I think you put Pew at right guard. Yeah, for sure. I think I think putting him next to Evan Neal would help out a lot. Um. You know, with with some of that stuff, I also think Pew allows you to run some more zone stuff. Which, as uh, if the Giants start getting a lot of run blitzes, like the Dolphins did a, a good amount of times, that he'll help versus that. Um, so yeah, so like, there's so many different configurations because it's like they're so banged up. Like Thomas is banged up, McKeith and Lemieux, JMS. There's so many guys banged up, but I think until JMS is back, you put Glow at right, Pew at left, Bredesen obviously at center. And then if if when James is back, Bredesen at left, Pew at right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Pew needs to play. One hundred percent. All right. Justin, next question. Oh boy, next question. <laughs> it's October. 10th, I hate folks. I hate I hate to unload the clip on this one so early, but there was you got him. It's just it's just what it is. You gotta. Um Calvin T. If you could trade any Giants player right now, who would it be? So I put three players on here of conversations to have. If there's one that I think is an easy trade candidate, Justin, right now, who do you think it would be? <sighs> I haven't seen anyone say this one, and I'm surprised. I haven't seen anybody say this, so it's not Saquon Barkley, even though like the money would be easier to move, easiest to move. Um, can I say Xavier McKinney and not be a dick? No, I think it's Kansas City Chiefs specifically who love our receivers paris campbell oh okay he's got the six most snaps they're trying to play shepherd more wandale uh looks uh, much better than him i think paris campbell seems like the easiest trade candidate on this team now you're not going to get much back for paris campbell maybe yeah. it's like a pick swap but kansas city with their wide receiver issues i can see that definitely being um another trade target we just trade receivers for the chiefs every single year under joe shane um but paris campbell to me seems like it's the one that no one's talking about, but it's the easiest one. It's the easiest money to move, essentially. Um, it, and there's, he's done like he's like he has a good draft profile, missed games, and then last year was very productive, and this year hasn't had the same production, but he is like a talented player. So Paris came was, to me seems like an easy one. Yeah, and and I 100% agree. One year deal, whatever, very incentive incentive based, and he's not going to get those incentives. And I don't even know how that works with do the incentives go over to the Chiefs. Um, I was thinking of a little bit more of a bigger swing because I think you can get. I, I think like the Giants and the Chiefs could work out a deal for Paris Campbell for a six round pick, and I'm feeling great, like awesome, cool. Um, I was talking about like, hey, maybe a guy that we can get a fourth or a third from. And I'm going like a little bit more of a bigger swing, like some of the bigger players we have in this roster. Paris Campbell doesn't even like scratch my brain as like a guy that's on this roster right now. <laughs> so, he, yeah, so you brought up McKinney. Yeah. As much as McKinney annoys the shit out of me, and he's not playing great, 
I still am not trading him for like a fourth round pick though. Like it'd have to be a high third and no one who has a high draft pick is trading a third round pick no. for Xavier McKinney. Um, like as, as much as there is, I have complaints about McKinney, you're probably not replacing that with that draft pick. And we talk, well, he's a pending free agent. Maybe if he's unrealistic and you've had those top talks and you're like, this, this group is unrealistic and they're going to force us to either tag or he's going to just hit free agency. Um, like you could, McKinney's not going to garner some big deal. Like what? What makes what makes anyone think that McKinney's going to garner some big deal in free agency, especially the way safeties have been not getting money? All right. So then here's the rebuttal. Like if he's not going to garner a big deal, where it's like, hey, the Giants could get a comp pick, and the Giants have a lot of cap space themselves this offseason, so like you can't bank on a comp pick from Xavier McKinney because they may spend themselves. So. If you're just if the plan is to just let them walk, I don't know what they're thinking. They may still no. Don't want to let bring, him walk. Bring him back. If he's if he's comes back on a decent deal, bring him back. Despite like yeah, not everyone wanted. Not everyone's going to be a cookie cutter personality. And even though there's there, again there's stuff that annoys the shit out of me about McKinney, but it's not like crazy alarm. And he's not he's not the player. He's not the type of player where it's going to be crazy alarming to you. Anyways. And he's not um, an awful. He's not an awful player. Like, hey, he even forced the fumble this past week. He's a good player. Right now, yeah. he's in a tough stretch, but he's proven to be a good player in the NFL. He's not a great player. Uh, like he probably view. Like he probably views himself as like a top safety. He's not a top safety in the league. He's a good player. No, which means, but he's not going to get top safety money. Right. And I don't think the Giants are in a position to just let good players walk when they don't need to. So, like it, again, if if someone got crazy and offered me a second round pick, yeah, I would. But I or maybe a high third. Even then, it's like I don't know if you're gonna be. You're gonna look back at that three years from now and be happy yeah. you did that. All right. So um, who are the who are the two other guys that you had on the list? Well, the one other guy I said would I adore mean, a at the deadline because he's that's a, that's older. A big cap hit. Older. He's he, I could see a playoff team really valuing what he could bring to them. Yeah. I mean, the only problem with like guys like Leo. Leo is too big of a cap hit. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't see anyone wanting to do a big trade for Leo but I dude the way teams value corners and if they feel like they're a corner away you could get a team that's pretty desperate looking to make a run and and throw a decent little pick at a door more than you might realize I mean we'll have time to talk about this too but you know like I said you know trade deadlines three weeks from now Uh, Saquon Barkley I don't think this franchise is ever going to trade Saquon Barkley even if you were to walk in free agency okay And 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 also, what is gonna, what team is what team will give up something for an uh, expiring contract? Saquon Barkley, either. If you feel like you're a running back away, but teams are. It's on. If he had two more years left on this deal, absolutely. But I don't. What are you going to get? Third. Uh sorry, I'm not doing it. I, I value Saquon Barkley more than that. Um. And he's gonna get it like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Okay, I'd think about it. All right, next question. Next question, Bobby. Can you talk about something? Well, instead of talking about two linebacker sets, we're gonna talk about another week of football. And DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game. Day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of, of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. 
epic matchups. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two, dos, new offers every game day this September. That's freaking beautiful, people. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code world new customers can bet just five dollars to get 200 instantly and bonus bets only on DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl with code world the crown is yours football today i don't have to read the big disclaimer and i am sad because i love it gambling paul code 100 gambler visit www.1800gambler.net in new york call 8778 hope ny or text hope ny in connecticut help is available for paul gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsible we have a blue hill casino resort kansas licensee partner golden nugget lake charles la louisiana Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. You'll be glad you did. Next question. Research Rick, NYG fan in Charlotte. Regarding the interior linebackers, the Giants went into camp with Bobby O'Karake, Darian Beavers, Gerard Davis, Micah McFadden. Davis went to the IR and Isaiah Simmons was required on August, August 25th. Through five games, Wink has played two interior linebackers on 99% of snaps, way, way more than last year. Why is this a problem, or is it? And then I'm even adding this part of the question. Bobby Skinner, would you like to take your victory lap now um, with all the reporters telling you, Wink Martindale doesn't run a lot of two linebacker sets? Oh, dude, that that got me so And I think we had like three like three reporters in the van for training camp when we were talking about like yeah. linebacker. Like, well, you know, you don't. Wink doesn't really want, he runs this up. And I'm like, no, no, he wants to run two linebackers. His linebackers suck. And even with that, <laughs> last year, they played two linebackers the large majority of the time. It's yeah. one of those, it's the thing I always explain. It's like, I remember when Brian Dable came over and it's like, Giants ran no 10 person over the last two years. Brian Dable ran the most in the NFL. It's like, yeah, it's 60 plays in two years. So, you know, three times a game, two times a game, excuse me, less than two times a game. So, um. Anyways, here's the thing. I I like this. I think the inside linebacker too has been a bright spot in the run game for the Giants outside of Arizona, where McFadden was missing tackles, had a bunch of miscommunications and coverage. I actually do think inside linebacker two has been a bright spot for them. I think the issues in the run game have been kind of outside of that. I think the defensive line front has been very good, but Okereke, he's just not processing. Elite, and it was the word. It was the it was kind of what held me back from being through the moon on his signing. Is like he doesn't process the way like Blake did, right? Where he just knows where to be at all times, and he plays a little slow into that. When he does know, he plays fast, and it's freaking awesome. And I and he's and he's been very good in coverage, which we saw this past week. Better on the tipped interception than the actual interception. The actual interception, by the way, was a busted coverage, and it's better to be lucky than good sometimes. Um. And then the DBs have been horrible in the run defense. The edge setting has been mediocre at best. Jihad Ward, whenever he's been on the field, has been a negative. Kayvon, Kayvon got beat in the edge a couple, a few times versus Miami. Um, Aziz is obviously not that dude setting the edge, and he's injured again. Um, I really think it's been kind of everything else besides inside linebacker two and the defensive line when it comes to the run defensive issues, Justin. Giants are still like... I think 30th in in rush EPA per play allowed. Now they've played some really good running teams. They've played some good offensive lines. That's the caveat. But we were coming into the year being like one of the main priorities that this Giants team had this offseason is to stop the damn run. 
signing Bobby Okereke, signing Ashawn Robinson, signing Nacho. Um, you know, they didn't really add edge rusher depth, which is a little frustrating, especially looking back on it now. But the Giants' rush defense is still bad. Like, it doesn't even feel like they're third worst in the National Football League, at least on an efficiency standpoint. But they are. It's like I can't, I can't like dismiss what There's I'm, a, what I'm seeing. You know, a lot of big plays happening out on the edges, right? Yeah. Like the secondary though, like, is a I, huge I, part I, of it. I think the secondary is a huge part of it. And the secondary not being able in past years to come up and make plays. I think that's a huge part of it. I've said that the DBs have been horrible in run fees. And Trey Hawkins got benched for it. Um, yeah. Adore uh, was really good in it last year. Moving him into the slot was a bad idea yeah, for the run defense. Up. He doesn't. He doesn't fit in there. Um, Deontay Banks doesn't get off blocks. McKinney has taken very bad angles in run defense. Pinnock has been pretty pretty damn solid in run defense. Yeah. Um, they also used Dane Belton as a big nickel this past week, um, which is like they went into those three safety sets, but they didn't take a linebacker off the field, which is, again, Wink wants to play two linebackers, even if he wants a third safety on the field. But I think that was more of just a Miami-specific game plan because they do so much. He also ran too high majority of this game, which he never does. Um, and play from light boxes. To a- so, so, uh, even so, like, but I criticized Okereke, but it's like still a lot better than Jalen Smith out there. Yeah. Um, it's just so that he isn't, he isn't there. as, I, cons- he isn't as consistent as you would want your kind of bigger money linebacker to be. Yeah. I'd like to him to process, uh, be a quicker processor and, and sniff plays out a little quicker. Um, but like, I think McFadden, again, outside the missed tackles has been a bonus in the run defense. And even Isaiah Simmons, even though Isaiah Simmons isn't the fastest processor, his closing speed really can uh, help. Clo- like Some of the best run defense plays versus the Dolphins were plays made by Isaiah Simmons. Even being a little late, he's just got that that closing speed to really go in and make a tackle. Um, and uh, and he's playing a little freer next you know, not being the the main, the, you know, the number one linebacker, having a little less responsibility. So I, I actually think um, they've been good in there. But like Dane Belton, like he was. So one of my question issues about Dane Belton, you, you mentioned DBs, and he only has played one game. But I did observe this on film. One of my biggest issues of him coming out of Iowa was he was very hesitant in the box, and that showed up last year. He was like he overcorrected, like where he was over aggressive and he was undercutting everything, every single yeah. like outside run he was undercutting, and was not able to make plays on it. So, um, yeah, that 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 was an issue. But I actually I think inside linebacker too out is like been the the bright spot outside of the defensive line when it comes to the run defense. Cordell Flott had himself a game, huh? Yeah, dude, that pass breakup. It, well, it wasn't a pass breakup. It it got on. Uh, Tyreek Hill's fingertips. That was a really good, that was the best coverage anyone had on Tyreek all day. Now it was like cover two man where it's like, hey, you, you know you have just play inside leverage, but he played it way better than Banks did on the opposite side. Um, he he, he flawed looks good in man coverage. We we may have a guy who's a you know I, I didn't come here to play practice type guy. Like I'm I'm yeah. a game time player, which is real. I fe- I felt like I was one of those guys. To be honest, hated practice. Mm. Couldn't couldn't amp myself up for it, but inside the in, in game time, my adrenaline's through the roof. Yeah, through the that would roof. be cool. That would be a that would be a nice consolation prize. Heading into next year, is like man, like Cordell Flott, like be be a little bit of a player, man. Be a little bit bit of a player, and you know, again, we talk about the twenty twenty two draft class, and I received a lot of flack and hate on Twitter yesterday for for posting a little bit of a negative clip about the two thousand twenty two draft class. You know. Be a little bit of a consolation prize of this year of, of like, hey, let, Cordell Flott, 
Nickel, Deontay Banks, outside. At least we got two spots kind of figured out here, maybe. And then, you know, looking to, you know, replace for Adoree and whether that's Trey Hawkins or whatever. Uh, Bobby, uh, Steve, how long are we into this right now? 39 minutes? Yeah, we got, Bobby, we got time. I, I'm adding another mailback question, and it's my mailback question. Next question is coming from Justin Pennock at Justin Pennock. Um, you spent like... At Smoking par- Woody. At Smoking Woody. Oh, stop. You spent like five minutes, I think, on the O-line report. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. You spent like five minutes on the O-line report, and so has everybody else and their mother trying to figure out who the hell's fault that sack was on, where Evan Neal didn't pick up the the rusher that was rushing to the outside and the clip that's going viral. I'm going to be honest. Like I, I I'm, I'm like out. I like, don't care <laughs> about it. Like people are breaking this down like crazy. I guess like, let's put a bow on this man. People are still talking about it. Tell, talk to me about that play and what you found. Cause you literally, I think you talked about it for like five minutes. Yeah. Check out the O-line report. Cause Here's the thing is whenever that type of thing happens, right? When a tackle takes the inside threat and leaves an edge rusher. O-line, so everyone's like, look at this dumbass moron, right? And then O-linemen get horny and be like, I get to tell everyone that they're the biggest fucking idiots in the world. They love it. They love it. And I and I get it. Like, it's, it's fun to do. But O-linemen like it more than I think any other former position group. They love to tell you you don't know shit. Which a lot of times is true. And what they are explaining is 100% accurate. And they're saying the quarterback has to throw hot. And Shipley even said, hey, it's when you're blocking five, the running back's out of empty, and they rush six. Well, someone's got to be the free rusher. You want the outside guy to be the free rusher. What they are saying is 100% true. Here's the issue. They didn't rush six, right? And if Neil did the right thing, which he very, like he, what Neil was doing was that. And so I kind of tend to think they are right that Neil did that wrong. But then the protection, setting the protection like that one is stupid. And you can we can argue QB versus center. There's, you know, like the center sets it. Mike Kafka said in that place he did with Coach Vass. Um, and, but the QB has fi- final control of it. But setting that protection that way is one, stupid. And two, if they did, it, Marcus McKeithen and Ben Bredesen screwed it up royally. So everyone's arguing like, Throw hot. It's third and nine. You shouldn't have to throw hot when you have five versus five, and it's not some exotic blitz either. And it's not like you have Wink Martindale lining up six, seven guys on the line, and they're dropping two, and you don't know which two. That's a whole different story. This wasn't that. Um, and so if that if if Evan Neal did the right thing, then Ben Bredesen and Marcus McKeithen totally screwed it up. And let's forget that Mark um, Gowinski and, and Zuda couldn't pick up a stun on the other side. McKeithen and, and, I mean, screwed it up badly from the beginning of the snap, ruined that snap. So if Neil's doing the right thing, now we have, you know, two guys essentially unblocked. So it's it was so frustrating to see people talking about that. And it's like, okay, but if, if Neil is right, like all these... But, and, and the clip that was going viral of it was only showing half of the other line. So yeah. I think they may have thought that six were being sent. So I'm not exactly sure. Um, but just, again, watch the offensive line report because it's, it's a visual thing. But even if Neil did the wrong thing, his mind was in the right place. He's not just like, hey, edge rusher, don't don't need to block that guy. What, what are you guys thinking? So even if Neil was wrong, which is not acceptable... It's not just like, oh, do I the stupid? Why block this? It's like he was thinking the wrong thing. Um, but I tend to think that. I don't know. 
because someone's wrong. So it's hard to t- yeah. it's hard to tell you exactly who was wrong on that. I've never seen such a. And if you're saying Neil's wrong, you're saying two guys are wrong, and Neil's the one that's right. I've never seen such a pointless play be debated so much from a pointless game and a pointless loss where the Giants offense literally didn't score points, so they were pointless. I um, kept quiet. People were asking me about it. I was like, I'm not saying shit until the offensive line report. Yeah. I was like, I was like I- I'm going to give myself something to motivate me to do a good offensive line report. Um, and then I'll even here, – here, two, two-parter. Um, Evan Neal apparently had some improvements. Uh, are you taking any stock into it? What did what did you say? Well, the improvements are the things that he's had has improved on throughout the season, and we've been saying that he's improved on. He was just playing lesser competition than other games, so I don't look at the improve like the issues. Is he has made technical improvements, and he's still losing by speed around the corner. Not this week versus Miami because he was able to compete with those dudes, and he's also like his hands are coming in way too high, and he. He let the inside get. He got beat badly on the inside a couple times. Basically, the only times they actually tried it. Um, so the film was like the result was solid for the most part, but the issues are the exact same issues that happened last week and the week before. But like he's getting out of his stance quicker. His first couple of steps are better. His hands are uh, his hands aren't being used as like he's not over punching where guys can just chop hands, but the hands are coming in high. So th- again, there's. They're the same improvements that we talked about from Dallas, Arizona, San Fran, but he played lesser competition this week. Uh, ready to move on to final question. Final question. Tucker Cherry at Tucker underscore Cherry underscore. Not Giants related, but favorite Creed song. Justin, have you ever listened to Creed at all? I mean, not like I haven't like sat down and be like, yeah, I'm going to really get into Creed. But I mean, I know the the magic that is live at Arlington Stadium, can you take me higher? I mean, I, I know I know like the the magic of that song. Oh, the magic of like that. Well the Rangers are, are playing it and it's, they're winning games because of it. Um which is <laughs> <Just> awesome. <laughs> I've been I've gotten back into Creed a little bit for some reason. I don't know why. And then I see that. Also my Instagram reel algorithm gives me all yeah. types of Creed reels. And they're some are just like good and some are funny. And I found out that Snacks, your boy oh, likes Creel Creed. as well. Creed loves. as well. So now I have someone to just send all those Creed Instagram reels, um, and there's, oh, they're very it. funny. I've um, been what I've been doing is uh, every I, Monday. Like I get, I get why people hate Creed, but I still love them. With what ours I've wide been... open, with ours wide open is a great song. Um, Hold me now, you know that that one. That that one's a good song, man. Like I'm six feet from the edge, and I'm thinking maybe six feet ain't so far down. That's that's a fucking lyric right there. People can make fun of it all they want, but. Six feet's a far fall. What I've been doing every Monday... You're not getting the joke. Or not, not the getting, joke, the line. I'm not I'm getting six it. feet from the edge, from the ledge, but I'm thinking maybe six feet ain't so far down. They have you Six feet under means that's where they bury the... Oh, fun. Well, that's how I feel inside. Can I... Oh, I'm, well, you I, should I, listen to Creed, bro. I'm listening to Creed. Um, but every Monday, after a Giants loss, I've been gravitating towards the women of country. Uh, this this past Monday was the chicks, cowboy take me away and uh, what's that other song, Steve? Um, I don't know. Is Steve know. on mic? Steve's on mic. I am on mic. I just uh, I'm trying Steve. To I need. I, I, uh, they do that like employee spotlight. I, me mm-hmm. and you are both camp guys. Yeah, yeah, big camp guy. 
Camp's love, good. Uh, yeah, Camp's great. Um, I, I feel like rec- you're a hate Creed guy, though. No, I don't hate Creed. Creed's fine. They okay. they they exist. There's nothing wrong with them. Wow, they exist. I'm so, it's like it's similar to Nickelback. Nickelback gets a lot of oh, unnecessary. Don't, hate. don't put them in the well, same. Well, well, they sound very similar. If you really Creed just it just ages really badly. Yeah. Um, which a lot. I mean, a lot of that early two thousands, late nineties music ages so badly. Absolutely. Uh, like if you go back like, and listen to it, not that it's bad, but it's like those guys. Like you just can't sing those songs when you're like in your forties and fifties. It's just like a very like late teens, early twenties. You can sing those songs into your thirties a little bit, and after that, it's like you're when you're doing concerts and stuff. It's like man, you shouldn't. Like um, who was I? Uh, uh, I saw I was doing a concert uh, um, the other day, and it's like man, you're. Uh, oh, so do you know some forty one, Steve? Yeah, yeah. I just I just went to a Blink one eighty two concert. Yeah, well, it's like some forty one. It's like, how do you sing "Fat Lip" when you're? Mm, <laughs> yeah. What are those guys like forty five, fifty years old now? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like what just, do you how do you sing those songs still? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I was I was I saw the Rangers did the Creed thing, and I was like, that is that would literally get me to go to games if we knew if I knew we got to sing Creed with the players that. That would get me two games. I agree. Um, so thank that's, you for that question, Tucker Cherry. That's a Giants mailbag. All right, we'll be back Friday with the preview. <laughs> um, we got Buffalo Bills, and we're doing our first uh, preview interview of the year ah. with with our friends from Cover One. Again, I, I've kind of changed that into like, unless I really want to talk to you, um, we're not going to do that because I've been doing I've been going a little harder in like film and and stat preparation for those. Where can they just do? The first half of the show, and then Danny and the three of us, we just do like I I, I don't want to, I don't want to preview the Bills game. I'll be honest. Hmm. Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's an episode. We will see you Friday for said Bills preview. Um, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Oh, Rick Bielman said you didn't take my question in the direction I thought. Misallocation of free agent resources strong uh, reach stronger inside linebacker too. Why so few third and long sub packages? Less confidence in DBs. Lots of ways to go. Oh, okay. Well, I still want to end the show. So sorry, Rick. Appreciate you guys. We'll see <laughs> we'll you Friday. It. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>